streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast, Thanksgiving Week edition. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined, as always, by the one and only Eric Henry of Horns247.com. Eric, happy Thanksgiving, my man. Chip Brown, happy Thanksgiving. I did not run this one by you ahead of time, so hopefully you'll you'll give me the uh, quick indulgence here. I'm a big Thanksgiving guy, Chips. I gotta ask, in the uh, lovely Brown household, what are Chip Brown's Thanksgiving go tos? What are the the must haves for you? You know, I'm I'm pretty basic. You know, I like the dark meat turkey with some mashed potatoes and and gravy. Um, I love all the casseroles, not crazy about cranberries, but um, I'm pumpkin or pecan pie. I'm pretty much a trash compactor, Eric. I'll I'll take it all. How about you? Uh, I'm going to come back to the fact that you said that in a second. But for me, um, you were there at Texas's Monday availability and Christian Jones and I share something in common. Of course, both of us having uh, Jamaican Caribbean parents. So the jerk turkey. Is, is a is a staple in my household jerk turkey and then of course you get a you know a little little regular turkey for those who can't handle the spice but the the staples for me uh, i need some stuffing need mashed potatoes need some baked mac and cheese the key is baked mac and cheese chip when i when i spent four years in the midwest i learned that uh you know good old southern baked mac and cheese is exactly what you get everywhere so i gotta have some baked mac and cheese uh yeah, man. You know, Thanksgiving is is it is my favorite holiday. Some people are Christmas people. Some people are Thanksgiving people. I am a Thanksgiving guy because of the food and you talk about dessert. I'm an apple pie. You know, some warm apple pie, you know, some, some whipped cream. Good to go. But Chip, I do got to come back to one last thing. We hop into business here. You, you mentioned being a trash compactor and, you know, the uh, the lovely Miss Taylor, as says, the former co-host of this podcast, I couldn't help but text her on the side in the press box at Iowa State and say, God bless Chip Brown. He is going to outlive us all. Or she said that you're going to outlive us all because of the fact that my man came back with four cookies, some chips, and a Pepsi, and was good to go. And I had to just admire Chip at your ability to just listen. If I, if I could do it on a daily basis, I would. But just as Taylor said, you're going to outlive us all, sir. Yeah, and I sadly... Did not get through those cookies or those chips or the Pepsi because I like to have choices, but those cookies weren't really hitting it for me. Ah, so, ah, noted, noted. Uh, but I am a dessert guy. There is no question about that. Um, and it's going to be a, a happy Thanksgiving for Texas fans. Thanks to the win 26-16 at Iowa State. But on Friday, Black Friday... Here come the Texas Tech Red Raiders and Texas at 10 and 1. If they take care of the Red Raiders at 6.30 on ABC, Eric, Texas will be in the Big 12 championship on December 2nd in Arlington. That makes it a real uh, Big 12 championship game to get to the Big 12 championship game, something that Jody Barron's been saying since well, it seems like the whole season, but Steve Sarkeesian has been telling that to the team since the loss to Oklahoma. And so 
here we are. And there is no question that the um, marquee showdown in this game is going to be Taj Brooks, the nation's number three rusher, averaging 122 yards rushing per game, 1,348 yards rushing total, uh, 855 of which has come after contact. He's broken the most tackles uh, of anyone, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, 86 forced missed tackles. Um, by contrast, Bijan Robinson had over 100, just over 100 last year. But um, he's going up against the nation's number four run defense, anchored by the man who should probably be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Tavondre Sweat, uh, and Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke. Um, this is going to be the marquee matchup of this game, Eric, and and worth tuning in for. Oh, listen, there's, there's no doubt about it, Chip. I mean, I just kind of want to work in reverse here because you talked about the attitude of this Texas team, right? You know, 128 scenarios still remain as far as who can make the Big 12 title game. Chip, I have a hunch. I have a hunch. It's just a hunch. I don't, I don't want to slander anybody, but the feeling – we're talking the SEC championship. You wouldn't have 128 scenarios. This would be a little bit more uh, easily discernible come this time of year. But, hey, that's a conversation for this time next year, right? Um, here's the thing. I mean, it's been very obvious, and you talked about it, Chip, the tone, the tenor of this Texas team from the moment they lost the Red River shootout against Oklahoma. Every week has been a championship week, and Chip, they have been consistent with that messaging, even to a point where it's felt sometimes a little bit dull, right? You know, we've tried to ask, you know, hey, how's this week different than next week? Or, you know, no matter the, the opponent, whether it's been uh, a Houston team down on their luck or whether it's been a team that's dangerous like Iowa State and others, right? You know, it's always been each week as a championship week. Uh, Chip, it, it's – I don't know if you felt this way. I mean, you've been around Steve – Sarkeesian now for three years. Um, and like I said, before I come back to you know the nation's third leading rusher and Tosh Brooks and, and, and how dangerous he is, because that obviously is, you can't reiterate that enough heading into this week, especially with a team like Texas that at moments seemingly has had struggles, um, you know, with tackling and, and things of that nature. But I, I do want to ask this. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't bring our audience into this a little bit. Chip, did it feel this week, um, as someone who's been around Steve Sarkeesian for three years, and speaking in front of you, that Sark was a little bit more revealing over the past, you know, week and change and maybe he's been um, during his entire time at, at Texas. It just felt to me like, and maybe it was the tone of some of the questions, but it felt like his answers um, were, were rather revealing, Chip. I, I just would love to get your thoughts on that really quick. Yeah, it, I think a couple things. Uh, obviously, it's Thanksgiving week. He's probably feeling thankful. Um, because all the guys he was asked about or brought it around, um, it was sort of an appreciation of his players. And heck, I even asked him about the transfer portal opening on December 4th. And he, I was really asking from the standpoint of needing to know who you need to go get in the portal. And he took it as, well, I guess there are some guys from our team who could be entering the transfer portal. I just hope they take it all in and appreciate everything. I, I do think that he was more reflective, more thoughtful, more um, open. Uh, he talked about 
how important the culture was to get established when he took over the program and the culture Wednesdays, which I totally uh, believe and agree with um, having covered Dick Tomey for the one year he was at Texas in 04, right before Texas won the national championship. Dick Tomey was big on those culture meetings with players and uh, their position coaches and getting to know each other so that you actually care about the guy next to you. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian said this program's built on love. It's built on trust and talked about being vulnerable and how he will lead off the culture Wednesdays by going first and being vulnerable. And of course he's doing it in front of his own son, uh, Brady Sarkeesian, who's a member of this football team. And I think the players all really appreciated that. I mean, Christian Jones to me was kind of the more most telling because he was recruited, uh, played under Tom Herman and, and then played left tackle in 2021. And it was not good. Um, He gave up, six sacks had eight penalties um and they were they were not good and at that point i'm looking at christian jones saying okay well thanks for the effort and they did not give up on him moved him to right tackle where he played as a fifth year senior and then came back as a sixth year senior this year and is now potentially an nfl prospect and he Christian Jones said, I responded because they coached with love, not stress. And that was a very clear delineation in my mind between the Sarkeesian approach and the Tom Herman approach, which is a very Urban Meyer type of approach. It's a fear-based approach. And, and so, yeah, I thought it was, there was a lot of revealing stuff in uh, coming from Sark in his weekly press conference on Monday. Yeah, yeah, Chip. You know, like I said, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I'll bring it back around. But just to kind of uh, add to your point there, we spoke with Jordan Whittington and, you know, some of the other guys, right? I, I asked him the question, you know, hey, did it mean more to hear those types of things from your head coach, right? Because you just, you know, provided a great juxtaposition, a great contrast between Tom Herman and Steve Sarkeesian, right? The fair base versus someone who's, you know, a little more empathetic. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Each coach has got to be authentic to who they are, but is that going to resonate, especially with today's athlete? And each player that I asked that question said, yeah, you know, when you have your head coach, it's not just your position coach, Chip, right? Like we've all been around this for a while. You know, you talk with players are recruited and they say the two guys you're going to spend your most time around are the strength coach and your position coach, right? So those are the ones you really have those bonds with. And that even goes back to my time, you know, covering a group of five football and, and guys saying, yeah, you know, we, we, we knew our head coach, but we didn't really know him. And I think that in some weird way, Chip, listen, for all the sentimental stuff we can sit here and talk about, you got to have talent on the field. But I think, you know, you brought it back to Dick Tony going back to the 2004 year. Those things do really matter, right? How many times have we heard it this year, Chip? We would have lost those games prior. And each time we ask a player for guys like us, you know, people like us as reporters and journalists, we're looking for something concrete because, you know, that's that it's tangible. Right. If you give us something like we just care about the person next to each other more, it was like, all right, well, we could do that, you know, but that's what the y'all keep coming back to. And I think those things to transition it into Texas Tech Week and talking about Taj Brooks, it's what's going to make the difference. Now, Chip. 
uh, or what has the potential, I shouldn't speak in an affirmative, what has the potential to make the difference. Now, Chip, this is going to be the best back they faced all year, right? I mean, the numbers show it and just the sheer talent shows it, right? So all the fundamentals have to be on point, right? Your P's and Q's, your angles, you know, know, run fits, gap assignments, everything has to be on point. But I would also make the argument, and I've paired on a podcast earlier this week already when someone asked me, hey, you know, this Texas defense hasn't faced a player like Taj Brooks. And I'd say, yeah, you know, that's true. But respectfully, Taj Brooks hasn't faced a defense like Texas. He has not seen Mr. Sweat, who has an incredible chain. This is make him sweat, as I'm sure has made the rounds on social media. Um, listen, as someone who could appreciate a nice chain, it's a little, little too rich for my blood, but, you know, T-Sweat's NIL money makes it happen. And Byron Murphy, right? He hasn't faced players like that. You talk about Ethan Burke and, and, you know, all the players in defensive line. And Steve Sarkeesian said it, right, that, you know, between Jalen Ford, um, Anthony Hill, and David Benda being the leading tacklers last week, that said to him that, hey, those guys up front, they're keeping my linebackers clean to go there and make plays. David Benda was rated by Pro Football Focus as having the, the best week of any linebacker in college football, right? And that's a journey for a guy like David Benda. That's evidence. And, and that, that's not just his own play while David had an excellent night. That's those guys up front making plays. So, yes, the challenge of Taj Brooks and no disrespect to anyone else on the Texas Tech offense. I mean, I've been even going back to when – I saw Tyler Shuck. I was covering Group of Five football and made the trick the, the trip, excuse me, out to Lubbock in 2021. I wasn't impressed with him, and of course, he's now made the decision to enter the transfer portal. I saw some of the other weapons that 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 you know are were with that Texas Tech team then and are with that team now. I'm not trying to be you know you know Debbie Downer, but I, I it's Taj Brooks or bust. The numbers have bared that out. Yes, they've been able to win three straight games. I can make the argument that if Chip Brown's UCF Knights had a kicker who could make the extra points. You know, love you, Colton Boomer, but you know, hey, they're in danger of losing that one if uh, you know, that extra point goes through. So, again, in my mind, this is a matchup that certainly is well worth the uh, price of admission. A really great running back versus a, a really strong defense, but. And we'll get into this a little bit later and take it. And by the way, I'm expecting a fantastic breakdown of Texas Tech from you. Because I'm sure you've watched your UCF Knights <laughs> somehow managed to get an extra point blocked that would have uh, had that game tied and in, into overtime. So I cannot wait for your breakdown of what you liked and what you didn't like from Texas Tech, by the yeah, way. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Just to, just to finish off that point, that, that, that matchup between, the, you know, again, Taj Brooks and the run defense and, and Texas defense can be worth the price of admission. But at the end of the day, um, I think in order for Texas Tech to really have a real chance at win this game, they're going to have to try to exploit some of the things that teams have done specifically over the past five weeks, right, in terms of – outside of the BYU game, of course, in terms of finding some some open holes in the, the Texas pass secondary – Texas pass defense, excuse me, in the secondary, and specifically underneath Chip. Um, one of the things I think we've seen – you know, we saw Ryan Watts get beat deep last week – Teams have been able to work the underneath, whether it's been from behind and Texas's secondary may being a little bit lax in terms of things, or maybe it's been in, in tight ball games. There, there have been some opportunities underneath in the Texas pass defense. And again, if Texas Tech is going to have a chance to win this game, they're going to have to find a way to exploit those things, which will in turn, 
ideally open up things for Taj Brooks and then maybe a shot or two downfield. Whether or not I see that happening, I'll save that for later on in the podcast. But that's what's going to have to happen if Texas Tech is going to have a real chance to win this ballgame. Yeah, and Baron Morton, um, look, he's been playing pretty well. Um, I'm looking at the numbers right now, and Texas Tech, um, from a passing game standpoint, in the three wins against TCU, um, Baron Morton, 28 of 36, two touchdowns. Uh, at Kansas, 19 of 25 with one interception, no touchdowns. That was the 16-13 win where Jason Bean went down with an injury. Um, and Tech was playing against Kansas's third string quarterback, Cole Ballard. Uh, and then against uh, your UCF Knights, uh, Baron Morton, 21 of 34, 256 yards two touchdowns, one interception. So he's a guy who can get hot and they've got a couple of receivers that you're going to pay attention to. Um, you know, Jaron Bradley is enormous and miles price is kind of that guy who, you know, makes some of those underneath plays and, you know, the running backs are not really a big part of the passing game, but, um, you know, tech is, they're going to rely on Taj Brooks as they have what he's got eight hundred yard rushing games this season. And like Jonathan Brooks, one of those was like 99 yards rushing or he'd have like nine straight hundred yard games. So, um, you know, I'm, I think, look, Joey McGuire's a fiery coach. He ran his mouth in August uh, at this Red Raider kickoff luncheon with Brett Yormark in attendance. They both kind of, you know, were feeling themselves in front of the tech boosters. And Joey said, you know, we want to show that team that wears burn orange. Is that even a color? Uh, you know, who really runs this league and Brett Yormark, you know, Hey, Joe, I'm not putting any pressure on you, but you need to handle business just like you did against Texas in Lubbock in uh in 2022 so um joey's a fiery guy he's gonna have texas tech all kinds of fired up and look steve sarkeesian we know he's he's aware of the trash talk because he made uh tavandre sweat and byron murphy captains because he said he wanted iowa state to have to look him in the eyes and you and i were down there for pregame warm-ups bo davis was telling people to F someone up and the most intense man down on the field by far. And they did. And so they need whatever they were eating for pregame meals for that uh, Iowa state game where they held the Cyclones to nine yards rushing. They need to eat that meal again, because look, Baron Morton to me is the, is the key guy here. And uh, like you said, he hasn't faced a defense like this. And when he did, the closest thing probably is Kansas State. They got beat in Lubbock 38 to 21. So that was the game where Avery Johnson was sort of unveiled. Tech wasn't ready for Avery Johnson. He ran for a school record tying five touchdowns in that game. Um, so a little bit of a, 
you know, you kind of asterisk there, but um, this is, this is going to be um, probably the, well, it's going to be the most, uh, well, they played Oregon earlier in the year and um, actually had a chance. They were driving for the potentially tying touchdown um, and then uh, threw an interception. So look, tech is a team you have to take seriously. They're physical. They are a physical team and they do um, play physical football. And it looks like they're getting some guys back from injury in this one, Eric, including Tyler Owens, the former Texas safety uh, who's expected to play in this game. And, um, you know, we're waiting to see what's going on with Jalen Hutchings, their, their stud defensive lineman who um, was a little banged up in the central Florida game. Yeah, Chip, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll come back to, you know, kind of some of the things I saw from Texas Tech in the game against UCF. Here's the thing. I mean, UCF's run defense, they can't stop a nosebleed. It's the worst in the Big 12, bottom third in FBS football. You know, the pass defense is first, but we all know how that works, Chip. Why, why throw it when you can run it, right? So, and I'm not saying that that, that is, um, you know, accounts for Tosh Burke's numbers because he's, he's been excellent all year. What I think concerned me a little bit, right, in terms of UCF, which has, I believe, the top rushing offense in the Big 12, either first or second. You know, some of the ways anyone who's familiar with college football over the past decade and a half knows the Gus Malzahn offense. Yeah, I, I maybe in my UCF night alumnus will call it gimmicky, and that's probably my frustration with being five and six. But nevertheless, that's a conversation of the podcast. Um, it, it's it's not going to do it's not going to resemble anything that Texas does, right? I mean. The way Texas can line up and run the football is not going to be the same that UCF does. John Rice Plumley, not Quinn Ewers, and especially you know the the little the the glimpses of the run threat we would get from Quinn Ewers. That's pretty much out the window with the AC joint injury, right? So Texas got to line up and run the football effectively against Texas Tech. Now you look at Texas Tech's defense overall, fifth in the conference, pretty much just middle of the pack pass defense, run defense. I think some of that goes to a, a fight of with their opponents. Again, I look at the way UCF was able to do things. UCF's gonna, they've been a team that's going to move fast. Texas isn't going to do those things. Texas is going to hit you, you know, a little bit more of that inside zone. Um, and, and again, some of the ways that UCF was able to exploit Texas Tech, you're not going to have them uh, in this ball game. Now, what I think is going to matter, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit later and take or leave it, Chip. C.J. Baxter um, just seems to be, and I asked Steve Sarkeesian this on Monday, if he liked the fact that, you know, he's kind of picking up some of Jonathan Brooks's traits in the sense of being able to close out games in the second half. Listen, uh, C.J. does not break tackles, force missed tackles at the same rate that Jonathan Brooks does. How many times have we looked at each other in the press box at Iowa State and see a couple of those ankle tackles and say, man, see, um, J.B. gets to those, right? Like, there's just something that, you know, you never see JB get pulled down by the ankles, whereas CJ, it's like he's such a big man, but something about those ankle tackles, he still gets them, right? But when we spoke with him post-game, you know, CJ said, hey, I, I spoke with JB, and he said to me, just run. You know, just, just run and let the, 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 the blocking and everything take care of itself. I want to see that evolve because in my mind, if, if, if Texas can get the same rate of success earlier in the game, Chip. To me, that's what matters. Texas against Iowa State ended up in six third and 10 scenarios. Some of those were byproduct of pre-snap penalties. Some of those were byproduct of 
uh, the intentional grounding that was called, right? But I'd love to see Texas stay out of third and long because, again, I think if they can establish the line of scrimmage early, I saw a lot of Zach Kittley football from his time at Western Kentucky. I will give him credit. He is not your typical air raid guy in that, you know, maybe it was during his time with Tyson Helton there at Western Kentucky. They're not married to it. You see Joey McGuire, this has been a run team, right? Like he is not a guy who has said, hey, I'm air raid and we got to, nope. There is willing to run the football, but the same principles of that offense are still there. They're going to look to try to, I don't want to say strain the defense with tempo, but you'll see it on Saturday if you haven't on Saturday, Friday, if you haven't seen this team all year. It's the, the nature of the play calls, the string of the play calls, the way that they will try to tax a defense. Texas has to be prepared for those things. Again, as I, as I talked about early on, excuse me, Chip. Um, can't have the missed tackles because then if you allow those things to happen, that's when Kitley and Joe McGuire can kind of get some things going. And clearly, again, they're not going to be afraid to run it again. I, I saw, I believe it was seven or eight. I got to go back and look at my notes. Sequences where I saw them run for a first down and go right back to a run, a line of scrimmage. So they're not afraid to, you know, run it back to back times, really try and tax your, your, your front seven, force you to stop it again. Yeah, I'm trying to compare Texas's front seven to UCF's polar opposites. Texas has been much better, but those are some of the things you'll see. And I think you did a great job in touching on some of the, the other offensive guys for Texas. You talk about it, right? I mean, it's really going to come down to, again, as I talk about, can they make enough plays in the past game? Um, Texas Tech's defense, that's another story. In my mind, Chip, I, I, as I talk about, CJ's going to have to get some things going, but I still see uh, some of the ways that, they were, that UCF was able to get Javon Baker, the former Alabama um, wideout, another guy who kind of reminds him of Xavier Worthy. Now, you know, he's Xavier Worthy light. <laughs> you know, he, he's, if, if we're talking about, you know, Coke, he's Diet Coke, um, but he does some of the similar, some of the same things in, in, in the ways that UCF uses him on, you know, kind of bubble, screen, bubble screens and comebacks and then gives him occasional go route, similar ways that um, Xavier Worthy. And Adnan Mitchell and others will have opportunities to exploit the Texas Tech defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you look at uh, you look at this team, this Texas Tech team from a, a special teams standpoint. McNamara, Austin McNamara, one of the best punters in all of college football. Um, you know, their field goal kicking has been clutch at times. Um, certainly was clutch against Central Florida. Um, what Gino Garcia, he's 14 of 19, kind of similar. I mean, he and Bert Auburn have both missed five field goals this season. Bert Auburn has made um 14 straight field goal attempts. Some love for Bert Auburn for crying out loud. Uh, and again, kudos to Steve Sarkeesian for giving him that vote of confidence after the Kansas game when he had missed two of his last three um, in, or yeah, in the, in the Baylor and Kansas games. And, and he's made them all since and needed every bit of them in the uh, Iowa state game when he hit a 50 yarder with a second chance, thanks to a last second timeout by Steve Sarkeesian prescient Steve Sarkeesian because Bert missed that, um, practice kick as he called it, but then came back and hit it. Uh, so look, we've talked about how, um, Texas 
you know, might have to gut out some games and win them with field goals, which they've, they've done. Um, but this, you know, this is a game where Texas needs to impose its will. They should win both lines of scrimmage. Um, I think Quinn Ewers, even at 75, 80%, uh, because of his weapons is the better quarterback. Baron Morton is a fighter scrapper. He's going to run if he has to, he's going to throw it. He's, you know, he's just a guy you don't want to get hot. Um, we saw Josh Hoover get hot from TCU. These two guys are kind of similar and obviously Tosh Brooks. Um, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun to, to see because Texas has been a monster. I mean, the best rushing performance against Texas so far this season was Dylan Gabriel, 113 yards uh, in the OU game. And, and can Texas hold Taj Brooks under his average uh, of 122 yards? I would venture to say yes, but that's got to be proven on the field. And Eric, Texas absolutely positively has to win this game to ensure their appearance in the Big 12 title game because as the Big 12 is telling people, um, there are 128 combinations um, of tiebreaker scenarios depending on the outcome of this week's games. So um, if Texas wins and Oklahoma State beats BYU, it would be Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game, and that would be another uh, matchup where Texas's run defense would be going up against one of the best running backs in the country and Ollie Gordon. But first things first, Eric, um, anything stand out to you from your watching of the the Tech Central Florida game that you think is sort of under the radar as it pertains to Texas Tech? You know what? I was impressed with Texas Tech's play up front. Um, Cole Spencer, a guy they got from Western Kentucky, um, Rusty Stats, both of them from West, West Kentucky, memory serves me correct. Uh, to be center at guard, if my uh, memory serves me correct. I know they got Cole Spencer for sure. But um, now here's the thing, Chip. It's kind of hard to read into that because, again, as I talked about, UCF's front uh, seven, you know, outside of John Walker, the big four star recruit who was a big coup for, for UCF, they don't really have many guys that's going to threaten you, right? I mean, and again, you know, I, I hate to just it's almost insulting some of the Texas players when I kind of draw from these parallels. But, you know, John Walker, in terms of game, is a very, 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 very poor man's like a destitute man's to Andre Sweat, right? I'm just comparing size and athleticism. I can't compare a true freshman, albeit a four-star true freshman, to someone like Devondre Sweat. But no, I mean Texas Tech's play up front, I, I think impressed me more so, maybe because it, it's not that I didn't think like, all right, they're a team that clearly can run the ball. But Chip, when you look at Taj Brooks and the amount of force missed tackles that he's producing. What that says to me is, yes, you're having an effective run game, but you're having a running back who's really amplifying and making that front five look better than maybe they really are. Um, that was, was something that I think was really inter interesting to me. Again, I'm not saying that they're going to you know, really be able to hold up against uh, Texas's 
Texas's, you know, front four. But I mean, even you take a look at some of the sack numbers, right? I mean, they're they're middle of the pack. They've allowed 21 sacks, which is well, I guess that's 10th here. I'm doing quick math and once he has 10th in the Big 12, but they've been able to spring some things in, in the run game. So uh, I think that kind of went under the radar in, in my mind. And again, I, I think the other thing I talked about with Zach Kitley and the way he kind of you know, runs his offense. I would probably say it, it in, in essence this year, if I looked a little similar, similar, excuse me, to maybe some of the ways that, uh, that Jeff Levy, you know, done some things um, in, in my mind, uh, some, some, some similarities, again, not, not a complete carbon copy, but some similarities. Those are things that if I were a Longhorn fan, I would keep my eye on and really want to dig into prior to Friday. Well, then uh, you have to keep an eye on when, Texas Tech gets a defensive rotation they like going tempo, um, which is what OU did when they caught Texas subbing and they got a, a substitution group that they felt was favorable for them. They they would go tempo and not give Texas and and, and not substitute, obviously, and not give Texas uh, a chance to substitute on defense. So um, keep an eye on that on Friday because I've, I'm in the group that does not understand why on earth Texas has substituted so much at safety because it just doesn't seem to help with these communication issues that they've been having in the secondary uh, when Jade Barron, Jalen Ford, and who's running the show from the safety position. Now, Jaron Thompson made a really nice break on the ball. He had a batted pass. He had the interception, his third interception of the year. But we know he's been up and down um, really since the OU game when he got the late hit on Dylan Gabriel, dropped the interception in the end zone that allowed uh, OU to, to come away from that red zone trip with points. But um, Keep an eye on that because uh, Tech will go tempo. And yes, they are still going for it on fourth down. They are second in the conference behind Baylor. Um, Baylor has gone for it on fourth down 46 times this year. Texas Tech is at 34. And um, by contrast, if you think Steve Sarkeesian's gone for it a bunch on uh, fourth down, he's gone for it. 26 times. So um, Texas Tech, Joey McGuire, wheeling, dealing, gambling. And remember, this is, he dusted that off against Texas last year, going for it, uh, converting six of eight fourth downs against Texas. The Texas defense wasn't prepared for it. They were, it was the first Big 12 conference game of the year, and Tech had not really shown a propensity. Uh, for going for it on fourth down in their non-conference games and then went for it eight times against Texas last year and converted six and uh, four of them or those conversions led to points. So um, Texas will know what to expect this time, but um, yeah, everyone's nervous button in Longhorn Nation is don't let that quarterback get hot. Don't let them make plays in the passing game. That's a, uh, but Eric, what did we say on the podcast last week that Texas looked great building those 20 point leads against, you know, K state and Houston and, 
and TCU. Um, and then they relaxed and allowed some plays to happen. There were turnovers involved in the K-State game, Texas turnovers. And, and so they turn into nail biters. We said that this game with Iowa State would probably be closer. And so there wouldn't be a big lead to give up. And sure enough, they went back to being the strong finishing team that we saw against Alabama, against Wyoming, against Kansas, when the game was tight for most of the first three quarters. So my gut is that unless Tech turns it over a lot, and they might because they're, what, minus six in turnover margin this year. Um, And, you know, if they turn it over and Texas builds a big lead, Texas is going to have to show the world, because now style points matter, that they can close out a game. And um, if it's close for two, three quarters and they kick it into gear and pull away at the end. Great. Um, A double digit win would, would do Texas really well right now as everyone's kind of looking toward that college football playoff. Chip, I want to come back to the secondary because you and I actually haven't had a chance to talk about this. We, we, you know, quickly in the press box, but I don't think I've gotten, your thoughts um, in a more elongated form. What did you think about Jade Barron playing a little more outside, which we saw uh, Mo Blackwell, of course, who, you know, came with former, you know, safety. So certainly has some of those defensive back um, qualities. We saw him line up in the slot. Right. And I'm curious. I know you watched the game back. I did as well. It felt to me like that was more predicated of a matchup thing versus a look they were getting as opposed to a, uh, uh, a more dedicated switch, if that makes right. sense. It, right. was, it was when Iowa State went heavy. There we go. Right. And, yeah. and, and what we had seen earlier in the year is that when teams went heavy with two tight ends, uh, Jade would go out of the game and they'd bring in a linebacker. And so instead of doing that, they moved Jade out uh, to corner, and um, and so it's a way to keep Jade on the field. It's not where we usually see him, where he's close to the line of scrimmage and can impact uh, his impact, you know, the game from a run defense standpoint. But I sure as hell don't want Jade Barron coming off the field because he's one of my best defenders. So the fact that that was happening earlier in the year was a bit uh, concerning. Now we have the Mo Blackwell package, which allows, um, you know, in po- obvious pass rush situations, although we haven't seen it as much because um, Ethan Burke is back healthy. But, you know, when Ethan Burke was out against K-State, they moved Anthony Hill up and you had Mo Blackwell, Jade Barron, and Jalen Ford at about the linebacker level um, and did a great job, obviously, of stuffing the run. I'm not opposed to that package pretty much ever. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think you got to have Jade Barron on the on the field here and, you know, play play aggressive, just play aggressive. Just get up on the line, get your hands on receivers, bring pressure. Don't don't sit back. I mean, what did we see last night and in some of these games? Um, you know, what the Houston Texans against the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, 
when it all came down to it, the Texans brought a zero blitz and Kyler Murray threw it, you know, out of bounds practically. Stay aggressive. Texas does not do well from a mentality standpoint when they're playing zone and trying to keep everything in front of them. They're just not good at it, especially when they've been aggressive earlier in the game and you're channeling it down. It's hard to channel it back up. And so just stay in that mode. And I think that's what we saw last week against Iowa State and what I'm expecting to see again against Texas Tech on Friday. All right, Eric, you ready for some? Take it or leave it. Let's do it, CB. All right. And if you're watching us on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, we will roll on here with some take it or leave it. Um, I am trying to remember. Is it my turn? You you giving or receiving? This it's what it's been like me tossed it to you, Chip. All right. And just again for as we said, we start taking a, a note of this. We went one, one, and one. So that's a you know uh good for good uh, for a prior preparation prevents you know poor performance. We, we didn't quite uh, prep on one thing. Uh, one of the questions we said, biggest concern now is Texas past. Excuse me. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong screenshot here. We said uh, that Texas would need to win the turnover battle on Saturday. Uh, we didn't account for the fact that, you know, there could be a push. So we should have said that they don't need to lose the turnover battle. But all ah. time, we went one, one, and one, which brings brings Chip's record to the year at three, two, and one. Uh, well, since we've been tracking it, I shouldn't say for the year at three, two, and one, and brings me to two, three, and one. So I will lead us off here, Chip. The biggest concern right now is Texas's pass defense, which gave up how many yards to Rocco Beck? I've got too many stat broadcast sheets pulled up here 24 32. 323 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, the majority of which of those passing yards came in the second quarter. 11 pass attempts for 149 yards, nine completions on 11 attempts. Chip, that's the biggest concern. Take it or leave it. Oh, yeah, I got to take this. Um, and for all, you know, I basically just gave my rationale about the Texas pass defense. Um, I get that you're subbing early in the game to keep guys fresh in the fourth quarter, but who, who are you trying to keep fresh in the fourth quarter? Settle in on that tandem at safety. We did see a quick snapshot of Jalen Catalan playing football again, uh, against Iowa state. It wasn't much, but it was, um, it was a sighting of Jalen Catalan on the field, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the part of the the Texas um, arsenal that makes most of Longhorn Nation nervous. And heck, I just said, don't let Baron Morton get hot in the passing game because the Texas defense has done such a good job of limiting teams on the ground. So, Eric, I'm going to take this. How about you? I am taking it, Chip. Here is the last little bit of my Texas Tech an, uh, analysis, quote-unquote, in relation to last week's game. Chip, Baron Morton and Rocco Becht 
not even just by the numbers, by the counting stats, they're very similar. But if you look at some of the ways that Rocco Becks, in terms, like you said, you know, he's a guy, again, redshirt freshman, wasn't expected to start this year. You know, he's clearly a, a precise guy, going to take what's there. And then, you know, if there's a shot or two, he'll take it. That's a lot of what I saw from Baron Morton last week against UCF. And you can take a look at some of the, the earlier games. Um, again, not someone, he's not Dylan Gabriel. He's not going to carve up the defense, right? Like he's not that level of threat um, at this time. But he is someone who can take what's there. He's not a Sawyer Robertson that we saw earlier this week, or this, week, or this year against uh, Baylor, or you know some of the other quarterbacks who just aren't equipped um, to take advantage of some of the things that are there. So, is it a major concern? No. When you have Jade Barron and Ryan Watts and guys like that, you know, it, you feel confident that somewhere along the line someone's going to step up and make a play. But to Chip's point, call it aggressive. Stay aggressive. Stay in that mindset. Stay locked in. So it is my biggest concern of anything else that could be a concern. I was really pleased with what we saw from CJ Baxter. So that would have been my prior concern. So I am taking this one, Chip, as we go to the second one. Let's pass it off to you. All right. Um, sign of a well-coached team is week-to-week -week improvement, Eric. Texas has shown week-to-week -week improvement heading into the regular season finale against Texas Tech. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it, but with an asterisk. Here's what it is, right? So it's a little hard to say week-to-week -week improvement because I think, Chip, at times, some of the things that we had concerns on, you know, well, then Quinn Ewers gets knocked out, right? And we're missing him for a couple of weeks. And then yeah, some injury-related. There's some injury-related things, right? Jalen Catalan gets knocked out and some other guys, you know, Baron Sorrell and others, right? So right when some of the things you may have had concerns about, um, you deal with a couple injuries, you can't really say, all right, we've seen week-to-week -week improvement. Um, I think we've seen week-to-week -week consistency kind of improve a little bit, right, in terms of we're not getting a first-half team or a second-half team or a fourth-quarter team. It feels like they're starting to round into form a little bit more, but – it's only been really one week coming off, right, of really playing consistent football. Because um, we could have made the argument, you know, in, in, in some of those games, right, the Houston game and the Kansas State game, you want to see four quarters. So what I say I feel comfortable with being, Chip, is I think this team is starting to understand the value that we got to bring it for four quarters and be consistent. But week to week, I'm saying leave it, but with a caveat, maybe they haven't really had a, a, the full arsenal to show that week to week improvement. What about you, CB? Yeah, I'm going to leave this, um, but you can always kick it into gear. It's never too late because the postseason is about which team is getting hot at the right time. And Texas going on the road, handling business. We had a lot of 10 alarm upset alerts last week for Texas, and they looked like the team that we had seen earlier in the year. Now they had some, not some, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. The penalties take two touchdowns off the board. The fumble by Xavier Worthy at the Iowa State nine, uh, causing another empty red zone trip for the for the Longhorns. But um, the pass defense, and really, again, this some of this is on the coaching. Pete Kwiatkowski, stay aggressive. 
it's it's really hard to have an aggressive mindset and then go into safe mode and and then you give up some big plays and it's you know you're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube so just stay aggressive um and make sure that you're having week to week improvement this week to get you into the Big 12 title game and then another week of improvement to you know put on a to win a Big 12 title for crying out loud i mean this and and eric i, I should have said this during the front side of the podcast I've heard some Texas fans say, you know what? I'm okay if we just win the Big 12 title and and we don't get into the college football. Play. No, no. Get out your voodoo dolls and your black magic and your Ouija boards and start throwing some curses on Florida State and Michigan and, you know, Oregon, whatever, so that this team gets into the college football playoff because you're not going to have a team like this again you're not going to have it next year because Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Jade Barron, those guys are probably all gone. And, and so when you have a team that's built to win now, and look, because of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke, Texas has a chance to stay in every game with any team, Georgia included. Because defense travels and, you know, TCU, they were giving up 29 points a game last year. Like if you looked close, you know, they had a good run. They were a well-connected team, but they got housed by Georgia because they didn't have guys like Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy who could impose their will and wreck the line of scrimmage. So, no, get out your Ouija boards and you know, start throwing some hexes on people and manifest this thing because you absolutely want to win the Big 12 title and a chance to be in the college football playoff. All right. I'll be quick on a follow-up on that. Um, I'm kind of surprised that some fans have taken that approach because it's still a realistic possibility. I know if you look at it on the surface, Stevan feels like you're out. Florida State just lost Jordan Travis and they got to play Louisville. It's a good Louisville team. There's a Pac-12 title game, so something's going to happen there. Ohio State, Michigan. So, like, this is all within the realm of possibility. So, yeah, I mean, I, I again, I know seven feels like you're you're, you're a little, little far out of it, but yeah, it's striking distance in my mind. So, yeah, a little surprised. Well, and I know we got one more. Yeah, yeah, early, yeah. But, like, I don't get this committee. I don't get it because Washington should have been ahead of Florida State two weeks ago. Uh, at least last week, they probably will be full disclosure. We're recording um, Tuesday afternoon before the new CFP rankings come out. Um, but Oregon, I know everyone loves Oregon. They look great, but how many ranked opponents have they beaten? I mean, they've got to play Oregon state in the civil war, uh, but Washington is, is their best win. Okay. Got it. I mean, they lost that game. Excuse me. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Texas has a better resume than Oregon as a one loss team in my mind, but this committee, I don't trust them. I don't like how they look at things. 
And look, it benefited Texas. The first set of rankings that came out when OU and Texas were both one-loss teams, Texas was ahead of OU. Texas was seven, Alabama was eight, and OU was nine. Um, OU beat them head-to-head. So they look at this stuff subjectively. Um, They've honored the head-to-head win against Alabama for Texas consistently from the first set of rankings. But I don't, if Alabama were to beat Georgia, I don't trust this committee to keep honoring that. So just Texas take care of business and, uh, and hope that Georgia wins out, hope that Florida state goes down and hope that Ohio state takes down Michigan. Cause maybe the committee's looking for a reason to, to drop Michigan out of the, out of the top four. They haven't played anybody except Penn state. So um, anyway, that was a filibuster. Ah, no worries. No worries. To bring it home, Chip. Cedric Baxter or CJ, as he said, it doesn't matter. I'm cool with either one. We'll have over 125 total yards. I know initially as Chip and I were coming down the, uh, the jet bridge at Des Moines National Airport, we shouted to each other that there should be a hundred yards rushing, but I figured let's, Let's give CJ a little bit of room here. It's passing receiving. So uh, take it or leave it. He'll have over 125 total yards. Well, I'm going to leave this. To me, the 100-yard uh, rushing, um, you know, I would maybe uh, give him a, a take on that. But I don't think that he will get uh, over 125 rushing yards. Uh, if he does and Quinn yours is dealing, then maybe this is the, the big, um, maybe they cover, maybe Texas covers the, the 14 points, but I'm going to leave this just because um, I think, look, I think Texas Tech's defense is going to be all kinds of fired up. Although there's some talk that maybe they're not going to play Jacob Rodriguez. They're, junior stud linebacker because he has played in four games. He was injured earlier this year and they want to redshirt him. So he may not play in this game. Like look for number 10 for Texas tech. Cause that dude's been playing some good football and it's find it hard to believe they sit him down because they want to protect his red shirt. But um, still, I think Texas tech's defense uh, will, will be a hungry, aggressive group. I, I, CJ might get to 100. What do you think, Eric? I'm leaving it. Yeah, Chip, and just to be clear, uh, total yards, not necessarily rushing yards. I went with, with, with total yards. Oh, total yards. Total yards on this one, yeah. Total uh, yards. So I want to give you a, a quick chance. You know, you're still still on the, on the lead? Yeah, he had five receptions last, last week. Um, okay. I'm going to say, all right, I'll take that. There we go. I was hoping you'd come around because I'm, I'm taking it, Chip. I I'll mean, take that. I'll what, take that. We know that Steve Sarkisian wants to use the backs out of the run, uh, backs out of the run game, use the backs out of the backfield in the receiving game, right? And CJ has shown the ability, you know, even as the RB2, had a couple grabs here and there, right? We've had eight receptions coming into last week's game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it. I do think 
Whether he gets to 100 yards back-to-back, we'll see on the ground. We'll see. But I could easily see an 85 yards on the ground and, you know, maybe CJ. You know, they, they feel comfortable with his hands a little bit. Get him a couple more passes and has another 40 on the ground. So I will take it, Chip Brown. Maybe I should be a contrarian just so that you and I are not saying the same I, thing. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right. That's that's uh... Okay, I'll leave it. Uh, yeah, because I'll leave it. I'll say he comes. I'll say he goes for one twenty-four. That, that that is true because we both agreed on 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 uh, on the first two. So one of us has to be the one of us has to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> I'll say CJ comes in at one twenty-four. All right, good stuff, everybody. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who can uh, who's listening to the sound of our voices right now. Hope it's a a good. Uh, Thanksgiving full of um, family and and just uh, togetherness. Uh, this world needs more of that for for sure. And for Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to this preview of Texas and Texas Tech. We will certainly be back with another episode of the Flagship Podcast, recapping and looking forward, hopefully to a Big 12 title game. But until then, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Don't forget about the 75% offer going on right now. Are you kidding me? 75% off an annual membership. So if you are not a member of Horns 24-7 and you're not reading uh, Eric's and my team coverage and and Jeff Howe and the recruiting coverage of Hank South and Jordan Scruggs and the contributions of the young gun, Tommy Yarish, then you're missing out. And this is a big year. This is kind of unprecedented around here. Texas hasn't had a 10-win regular season since, oh God, a long time ago. Um, But uh, listen, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Give that 75% annual membership to a Longhorn fan. Great Christmas gift. And Until the next time, stay safe and keep the faith.